Welcome to the Unusual Podcast. Hi, Guan Minte. Thank you so much for coming, for, for the, having this conversation. So I'm just going to give a little bit of background about yourself. You've had a, an amazing career in the creative industries. You've been a creative director at Nestle, um, and you've um, done, set up your own, your own company. You've created a community of vertical storytellers. Um, you've attended the Berlin School of Creative Leadership. And at present, you're Chief Creative Officer at BBDO. So I'm, I think you know a thing or two about creativity. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So um, shall we start off with a, with a question um, that's very close to my heart, which is, can creativity be taught? Right. So thanks, Tanya, for this opportunity to share. Yes, um, I think creativity on a whole, there are two schools of thought, um, but, um, you know, the traditional view is that it is, you're born with it. I mean, there's, you know, there's, you need to be, you need to cultivate a talent. I think there is a lot of truth, but creativity can indeed be taught because when it comes to creativity and advertising, we actually look into the marketing world in terms of how we create work, right? So obviously marketing, it's about persuasion. Marketing, it's about trying to engage people. Marketing is also about trying to sell something that nobody really needs. So all these things, we have to find engaging ways or tricks or gimmicks or you know a nice song that people could engage with our products. So from a create, I mean, if you're talking about marketing creativity, indeed it can be taught. I mean, obviously creativity can exist as an artist or you're designing something that you particularly love. Creativity is very personal, I would say. So it's very in, uh, intimate. And so creativity, when it's done from a very personal point of view, it's not that it can't be taught. It, it's, it's also very, very, um, you know, um, it's a craft that you own. But when you talk about marketing, obviously you're trying to create something that people, um, that you need to sell stuff. So again, I think creativity, whether it can be taught or can't be taught, it's sometimes a bit subjective, but definitely, you know, obviously when you, if people are talented, for example, in drawing or they're very talented in terms of painting, they must have got this talent much from an early stage in their lives. And I feel that the influence that you have growing up as a child, the influence that, you know, uh, your parents have taught you, the influence of what, um, where you grew up with or the cultures, actually define the creative person you are today yeah um i agree i think um it that plays a big part in creative confidence as well um so Gwen, I, what i'm very interested in in my research i found actually if as an adult you want to study creativity or improve your, your creative skills there are not that many courses there are some masters um in different places but there's the famous uh, course um in berlin in creative yes. leadership that you attended so i'm really curious about um some of the key takeaways that you that you got from that course that you perhaps are still using today true so the course in um, berlin school of um, creative leadership is actually a crash course that was um, put together by j walter thompson uh, to to get the leaders the global leaders to be able to inspire or to or to you know get the teams to work so that particular course was very interesting i mean they were not just teaching creativity it was about 
the leadership in terms of as a creative director, how do you lead your teams? So they were actually exposing us, you know, to other creative leaders and how they they sort of um their sort of points of views. There were there were like different projects that we had to work in teams so that we had to brainstorm and come up with ideas. And the way they've also made it interesting, obviously because um, we did it in Berlin. So this is a pre-COVID days where we, we could travel. So it was fantastic to meet, you know, um, people from our global network, brainstorm on a particular project, and then come together and form some unique opinions or ways of selling that we normally would not have collaborated. So I think that leadership course taught us on how to collaborate in a global perspective. They also taught us on how to work together with people from different set skills. But most importantly, as leaders, how do you inspire, motivate, and create a sense of ownership when it comes to creating ideas that people would totally engage? Right. Okay. So, so Guan, this is quite interesting because we're in an industry. Um, well, in advertising industry, you are made to come up with ideas sometimes yeah. under quite a lot of pressure within a small space of time. How and I, from my experience, you get this famous thing called the brainstorm, where you yeah. all sit down and you're supposed to come up with ideas within within an hour. What What is your opinion on that traditional way of coming up with ideas, and um, and are there other means that you use with your teams? Sure. The concept of brainstorming is very powerful, but it's not the act of brainstorming. It's the preparation before you brainstorm. So there needs to be lots of information, insights, cultural insights, you know, the product's key benefit, um, you know, in terms of the target audience. What do they like? What do they hate? What do they like? Every single thing are touch points of data that we definitely need when it comes to brainstorming. Brainstorming, um, which I sometimes call it a hot house, enables people to come up with ideas in a second. Sometimes, you know, great ideas can be spontaneous, and when you overthink an idea, is when you know, and, and that's where everything, or when you overprocess, or when idea is um, agreed through a committee, that's where everything fails. So the um, the product of brainstorming is to generate very fast, quick ideas that might sometimes seem stupid at first, but when you look at it uh, later on, it could be a gem of something that nobody has thought of. So for me, the preparation of brainstorming is critical. Then getting people in the room to collaborate and to brainstorm or to share ideas. The other thing about brainstorming, right? We're also critical. So when someone talks about an idea, you could say, I've seen it before, it's too expensive, it's done, it's shitty, you know, don't do it. Brainstorming allows people to be more open. Brainstorming allows people to be actually expose themselves, you know, in ways that they wouldn't. So when they are able to freely come up with ideas, it's actually where great ideas actually exist. Because when we hinder the freedom of expression, ideas are generally very, very stale. Yeah, so there's that idea of a, of a safe space and, and for people to feel comfortable expressing themselves. Yes. But also, Gwen, so that there's the concept of um, divergent and convergent thinking. And I think in of Brainstorm, there'll be many, many ideas. How, yes. how are ideas selected? Let's, uh, there are so many ideas. How, yes. how, what, yeah, how do you do start converging? Yeah, so fantastic question, uh, Tanya. So 
I mean, one of the more traditional ways and something that works all the time is that once you have a hundred ideas, right, on the table, what we do is if you had five stickers, which would you select, right? And so people go around the room and you put stickers on their favorite ideas. And without a doubt, the five big ideas normally pop up. You know, when you're, when you're given the, um, you know, the restraint of picking the best ideas within the room, somehow things, the best ideas will pop up. And so that's one way, right, where you can get people to select the ideas. I mean, the other way is to talk through some of the good ideas and to cluster the ideas because lots of ideas overlap in terms of the concept. Because once you find these ideas, there are certain themes. So we cluster in terms of themes, in terms of execution, maybe in terms of, you know, insights. So there are many different ways to really select the ideas based on, you know, budget or based on, you know, whether it's fantastic or based on being original. I mean, one of the criteria of selection of ideas is, has it been done before? So a lot of times, you know, when you look at the ideas, it's been done, right? I mean, you might take it off the table. But the process of brainstorming, the process of being creative, the first initial process, they have to be free and they have to make sure that they, they are able to express. That's the most important. So usually you see, you know, once you get this burst of ideas, the um, energy tends to deteriorate, you know, after the longer go through a, hot, um, a brainstorm. So you need to find different ways to come up with, um, to generate, you know, what happens after you got the idea. I mean, how do you take it forward? So all those things are really, really important. So Guan, you know uh, this this concept of a new idea. So the, the, by the very um, by the very fact it hasn't existed, and maybe yeah. the first reaction you might get is discomfort um, yes. with new ideas, and that's the very. So my question is, how do you then sell ideas to clients? Um, is there still some fear that will go when they hear this new idea, or are you finding clients are getting more more confident and more open to to trying new things? Um, again, fantastic question. Nobody is comfortable buying something new because it's not been done before. And nobody's comfortable in buying something new because it's going to cost even more. I mean, what am I going to do? Will people be, you know, uh, will other people buy this concept? In everything that we do or in every great idea, it is about solving a problem. So, you know, if this particular concept enables a client to take a, a, a problem and find a creative solution, and the solution is something that people want, then it becomes a great idea, whether it's been done before or whether it's um, you know, an old idea, uh, sorry, whether it's an uh, old idea or something's original. I think the original um, ideas come from things that maybe it's um, an execution that's not been done in a different category. So I'll give you an example. You might see a great idea done for an app for a healthcare, but perhaps this same particular thought has not been done for uh, a shoe brand. And when you actually take some similar ideas and cross-reference within different categories, it sometimes becomes a fresh idea. So a fresh idea naturally means something that's not been done maybe in a particular category or something that's not been solved in a particular way. So you've been trying to solve something in one way or the industry is solving this way, but learning from another category 
solution might be able to give you another new way of solving. So sometimes it's not about coming something so totally um, alien, but it's about tapping into familiar territories and mixing it together to make something unfamiliar. So one of the techniques that we, we do is, can you take something familiar and make it unfamiliar? You know what I'm saying? So it's always a twist. So you're like, you know, like puns, right? The words with the word plays. People are familiar with the words, but when you have a little twist, that twist enables you to come up with something unfamiliar. Fantastic. So Gwen, I want to talk about young people and the, the graduates entering the workforce and coming into your agency. How, how would you rate their creative confidence? Um, and, you know, how can you help them increase that? Or do they need it? Are they, are they confident? What is your opinion on that? Or your observation? Yeah, so Thanks, Tanya. I, I think one observation is a lot of um, young kids studying art or advertising or marketing and graphic design, actually they're very, very, very talented. I mean, they, they can execute in terms of their ways to express how they you know, see the, the artwork. I think one of the key things is that they also need to understand marketing and the art of persuasion because we're still trying, in a commercial world, we're trying to still sell something to a customer, right? So it's about understanding the marketing aspects in terms of the idea married with the execution. So a lot of times they have fantastic execution, but it lacks an idea, an idea that is emotionally, you know, con uh, that it can emotionally connect with the audience, an idea that is really big. I mean, not just a graphic design on a piece of poster, I mean, what does it really mean? They do not ask why enough. Like, why am I doing this? Why is this important for the consumers? Why do you think the world will be talking about it? I think it's important right now to think of ideas that people want to spend time with. I think that's the most important. So it's not about designing something that's pretty or beautiful. And in today's world, if you look at all the winners in Cannes, why is this work purposeful? I think the word purpose always comes back over and over again. So even if you design you know, um, a shoe, obviously the, the, the easy selling purpose is for you to be more comfortable. But is, it, is that enough? You know what I'm saying? So the reason for people to buy your product integrated with your you know, strategic thinking and creative artwork would make any you know, communication much more powerful. Yeah, which which actually shows how difficult marketing and selling is now because it takes yes. into account so many different different aspects um, and the sustainability and the purpose is so key. Exactly. So, Guan, going back to these um, to these students, do you think? So, a hypothesis I have is that perhaps through the education system they're not really uh, comfortable with making mistakes or taking yep. risks because yep. it's very much right and wrong answers. Yes. So, so do you think that, um, that creativity could and should be taught from, from young in, in, well, either from primary school or in universities? Could it be taught as a course in itself or a subject in itself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the interesting word that you just said here is taught. And I think it has to be experienced. <laughs> it has to be an experience. So when I went to study in the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, it was a commercial school and an art school. And one of the things that um, the, the teachers did 
they sort of gave you some principles, but they didn't really teach me, which is very interesting. They allowed me to experiment in the style that I am familiar with. And through the experimentation is where we find ourselves through the world of creativity. So I think the word that, um, the word taught is not the right word for creativity. I think, I think creativity needs to be experienced. And it also has to be something that people try out many, many times. So yes. I think if you're looking at live drawings, I was, I was told to you know, copy um, beautiful artwork from fantastic artists to understand the principles and the rules of lighting and shadowing and you know, the way um, the object is being crafted. But once you learn the basic, what do you do with it? I mean, you can't continue to keep copying artwork every single time, right? So you need, do you apply the drawings into a subject that you feel strongly about that you can you know, tell the world about it. So one of the projects that we did in school was that, is there something that you believe and that you really want to um, um, fight for it? Do you want to take this project and do something about it? So in that sense, I wasn't taught creativity. I think we were, we were allowed to manifest what has been inside of us and to use our creativity for good, for example. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think the yeah. way the system comes across is about tapping into our talents. And mind you, even if you are the most horrible artist, you might be good in thinking, but you're not very good in expressing. So you can see a lot of people who are good thinkers might not be able to draw. You see a lot of good illustrators that might not be able to think. So it's about finding the talent that you have and then trying to see if that talent takes you to where you need to go. So when I became, uh, when I studied in Art Centre, I was very good in graphic design, but I was hopeless in coming up with ideas. I had no idea what the concept of, a, of, of an ad is. And that took a lot of time for you know, the instructors to kind of say, look, this is a good ad, this is a bad ad. So sometimes we need to have heroes in our fields right, that we want to either follow. So if you are a comic fan, you want to follow a comic artist and a particular style, you start to, when you start to dream about it, you become that person, right? So I, I know um, a lot of people who want to win the cards, they actually took their piece of work and they pasted it. I mean, those, those were the days where there were books and they put their artwork onto the books and when they flipped the books, the dream to appear in one of those winners made them feel inspired to do a lot better. So whatever it takes to inspire you to get to where you want to go, go, or what success looks like to, I mean, whatever you want to do in your um, creative career, you need to understand how to get there, talk to the people that have done the job, and then focus on what you think you need to do. Wow, okay, well that's great advice. And speaking of advice, Gwen, I know you're a father. Is it three yeah. children you've got? Yeah. yeah. So. What, um, what, uh, do, is there um, sort of any habits or any behaviors that you're instilling in them to give them the best chances in, in, in the future or help them be idea generators or innovators? Yeah, so, um, as traditional, I was born in a family of doctors, so obviously, my parents, when they started, wanted to be a doctor, but I failed miserably in my school. I mean, I was just horrible. And that's where um, my parents realized that I was good in drawing 
and they then sent me to, I mean, they had the opportunity to send me to America. And then, you know, his, I mean, obviously now um, I, I would, I would never regret. I mean, it was a decision that nobody regretted because I love doing it. And today, this is what I'm doing. So it is important. I mean, when I look at my kids, right, it's a very changed world. So my daughter wants to be a YouTuber. <laughs> um, my son wants to be a gamer. Yeah. And that's not a very traditional role in terms of how they want, you know, as parents, right? I mean, a YouTuber, I mean, can you really earn that much money? Or oh, a gamer these days. But at the same time, um, I think they need to understand in terms of the general, you know, obviously get qualified to, you know, go to a nice university. But at the same time, I think they can still achieve their little dreams by, you know, maybe if my daughter is to, you know, go to Roblox and learn more about it and to be able to understand how it works. Because the world has changed, you know, and how we perceive as something that is kind of, you know, silly and fun has now turned into a huge billion dollar industry. Esports is now a trillion dollar industry. And how can we not, you know, forget that we're living in a digital world? So is it important to realize whatever creativity is? Is there a future in what you do? Can you make it in whatever you think you want to do? And, you know, and try because if you don't try, you'll never be able to know. Yeah. Okay, well, well, that's fantastic. So thank you so much, Guan. No worries, Tanya. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>